Welcome to the Asbury First United Methodist Church Weekly Sermon. We hope you enjoyed this message by Stephen Cady. For more information about this podcast or other ways to connect, please visit asburyfirst.org. Sometimes God speaks through other people. And sometimes it takes other people to hear God speak. How does God speak to you? Sometimes people assume that when you're a priest, you have a direct channel with God. I can assure you that's not the way it works. Though if I did, I would have several questions. Maybe it does for those who get to choose their path, but I, of course, had my path chosen for me. Before I was even born, my parents had set me apart. That's what a Nazarite is, one who has been set apart for God. Only if I'm really honest, more often than not, it felt as though I had been set apart from God. And basically everything else that was even remotely fun. Truth is, it's not easy to grow up as a Nazarite. Every time I wanted to cut my hair, my mother would say, Eli, no, you're a Nazarite. When I wanted to eat a grape, my mother would say, Eli, no, you're a Nazarite. When I wanted to do basically anything other than sit at the doorpost of the temple and help people with their sacrifices, my mother would say, Eli, no, you're a Nazarite. You have been set aside. At least that part felt true. It's really hard when other kids are able to do things that you're not. It was a pretty lonely childhood. If it weren't for my grandfather, I'm not sure what I would have done. See, my grandfather was the other Nazarite in town, the only Nazarite, other Nazarite in town, and he happened to be the only other Nazarite in our family as well. Only the difference is he got to choose to be a Nazarite. He made the vow on his own. And maybe because of that, he owned it. See, he had grown up in Lehi under the oppression of the Philistines at the time. He'd grown up basically a slave. His whole family was basically in slavery, and he assumed that that was going to be his whole life. And then came this sort of superstar Nazarite through town, Samson. He came and he pushed all of the Philistines away. My grandfather used to love to tell the stories of Samson. He loved to tell the story of that day when they finally found their freedom and my grandfather was standing in his tent and he heard that voice call out to him. And looking around, he didn't see anybody and so he ran outside and again, nobody was there and so he went back inside his tent and he started to do what he was doing and then he heard that voice calling his name one more time and he again goes outside and can't find anyone and so he goes in very frustrated by this point. Only when it happened the third time, he ran out of the tent so quickly bound and determined to find who it was calling his name that he ran headfirst into Samson, like the Samson, flowing locks and all. 
And when he finally mustered the courage to be able to ask, did, did you call for me? Samson just shook his head and said, just say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so he did. And he heard. What would it be like to hear God call you by name? I don't know. I do know that in that moment, my grandfather took the vow right then and there to be a Nazarite. He stopped cutting his hair. He no longer drank wine. He wouldn't eat anything from the fruit of the vine. He became a Nazarite in that moment, and he never stopped listening for God speaking to him in this life. And he wore it as a light garment. For me, of course, I resented every moment of being a Nazarite. All I wanted to do was shirk all of the responsibilities that had been placed on me, but he held on to it and seemed to love it. He shared with his entire community stories of how good it was to be a Nazarite. And while I didn't quite understand it, I did love to sit at his feet and listen. He told stories about lions and honey and riddles, of buildings being toppled over, of the moment when he heard God call him by name. What would that be like? I loved my grandfather. Everyone did. Except maybe my dad. To this day, I don't really know what caused the rift between them, but I know I was a part of it. It happened before I was even born. In a way, it happened because I was born. See, my grandfather, when he had my father, didn't set him aside as a Nazarite. And I don't think my father ever understood why. See, my grandfather believed that each of us has a call in our life, that each of us have been given gifts, but that we have to embrace them ourselves or not, that it can't be placed upon us, that we have to find a way to embrace them or not. And so he didn't set aside my father as a Nazarite. He wanted him to be able to choose for himself, but my father just felt set aside by not being set aside. To be clear, he could have made the choice himself. He could have taken the vow when he was old enough, only he was stubborn. It, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Which meant that when my parents announced before I was born that I would be set aside as a Nazarite, it was a slap in the face to my grandfather. Let's just say entering the priesthood by spite is not the best recipe for success. Nevertheless, my grandfather took me under his wing. Nazarite or wrong, he used to say. <laughs> You're in now and I'm 
glad to have you. I used to love that time sitting with him, listening to him, understanding the faith as he taught me what it meant to sit and to listen for how God might be speaking. And though I could never hear God speaking, I could hear my grandfather, and that for me was close enough. There was something about his voice that reminded me that I mattered, that it would be okay. that I wasn't alone. Sometimes I wonder how different life would have turned out had he lived a little longer. I was with him on the day that he died. We were standing outside the temple waiting for someone to come with their sacrifice. Only no one was coming. And so he, as he normally did, began to tell a story. My favorite one, this is the one about the foxes having torches tied to their tail and running into the enemy camp. I used to love that story. Only right in the middle of it, he stopped making sense. And then he stopped speaking altogether. I knew right away that something was wrong. My grandfather never missed a cue in a story. He knew how to tell a story. He was great at it, and so there was something wrong I knew, and I wanted immediately to run for help, only my grandfather grabbed me by my arm. And though he couldn't speak, I could understand what he was trying to tell me. He wanted me to stay. He wanted me to be there with him. He didn't want to be alone at the end. None of us do. So I held his hand, and he took his last breath, and I just stayed. That was how the priests found me later that afternoon. See, a Nazarite is not supposed to be around a dead body. It's sort of our chief rule. It ruins everything that we've built, everything that we've worked for, even by accident. We have purification rituals that are supposed to cleanse us of that. But I knew in that moment that my grandfather wanted me to be there. He knew that I wasn't supposed to be around, and yet we both seemed to understand the gift of that moment. He didn't want to be alone, and I couldn't leave him alone. Sure, I knew what the law was, but woe to those who choose law over love. Only nobody else seemed to understand. My father was so angry with me. He said I had brought shame to the entire family, that I had brought shame to the community, that I had brought shame to my grandfather. That's when I got really angry. I told him that I knew what God was calling me to do, maybe for the only time in my life. I knew I was supposed to stay there in that moment, but my father was so angry with me. Sure, I understand now that he must have been mourning his own loss, never getting to say what he wanted to say, but it didn't feel like that in the moment because he just dragged me by my my collar all the way to the temple and he shaved my head forcibly and wanted me to say the vows again and re-set aside myself as a priest, but I refused. I cursed my father and I cursed God and I cursed the entire community. So 
So they sent me away. No longer set aside for God, just set aside. The next several years did not go very well. I was so lonely. They say that hurt people hurt people, and I was hurt. I'm not proud of the way that I began to live, maybe because it had been denied me for so long. I found wine early, and I stuck with it. That is, I made a vow never to have an empty wineskin, and for better or worse, that was a vow I kept. It was the only thing that numbed the pain, only it didn't take it away entirely, and I did not treat people particularly well. I had two sons by two different women in that time, and they, just like me, turned out to be scoundrels. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Most of that time, I don't remember. And that which I do, I've tried to forget. But here's the thing, even when I was at my lowest and there were some low moments, I still was listening. I'd set aside everything else my grandfather had taught me, everything else that I had learned about what faith was, and yet I couldn't stop listening. I was desperate to hear God's voice in my life, something that assured me that I was okay, that I mattered, that I was worth something in this world, and I was sure that the moment I heard God's voice, that would be the moment when I understood, when I found my call, when I could turn in a new direction. There were moments, of course, when I thought I heard it. I could almost feel that presence, some little tangible reminder that I wasn't in this world alone, but, but I didn't hear a voice. And so I moved on, which is maybe why I was open to it when that day finally came. I was walking through Shiloh, as I did once a week, going through. I just left a wine vendor's little station, and I was walking right through the center of town when I heard my, heard my name being called, Eli, Eli. And I stopped, and I looked around. And I didn't see anyone, so I kept going, and then I heard it again, Eli, Eli, at which point I stopped thinking this is the moment, and I cried out, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. At which point the wine vendor tapped me on the shoulder and said, you forgot your change. <laughs> and I began to laugh. The only other option was to cry, and I had done that enough. Just laughed and laughed 
and laughed. And I finally understood that if we spend our whole lives waiting for God to speak, we can miss what God is actually saying. Sometimes God speaks through other people. Sometimes it takes other people to hear God speak. And we can be those people once we understand that. We can be those people for each other. That is, we need a community of people to surround us and help us make sense of the way God is speaking in this world because the truth is, very few of us hear the actual voice of God. But God is speaking to all of us. And once I understood that, I could finally stop running. I could repent, that is, to turn in a new direction. I stayed right there in Shiloh, and believe it or not, I re-entered the priesthood. I didn't become a Nazarite. I'm not that off my rocker. I did enter the priesthood, but I did stop drinking, which helped. And for 40 years, I did my best to walk alongside people, to help them hear God speaking, to help them find their way, which is how, of course, I met Hannah. In fairness, the first time she came in and was praying, I accused her of being drunk, but it takes one to know one. And finally, I helped her find her way. And of course, when she had Samuel, she just made the decision against my advisement to say that he was going to be a Nazarite, that is to set him apart. And she asked if I would take him on as a ward. I didn't want to do it at first. I didn't want to mess things up. And yet I knew that this young man needed to grow up knowing that he had a choice, knowing that it wasn't put upon him, that he needed to embrace that, that yes, his mother could set him apart, but if he wanted to make this work, he was going to have to find a way to listen to God himself. And and he might not hear that voice. I told him you might not hear it, but that is not the case that you are not called. And so I helped Samuel find his way, only it took him a little while to find the faith, and it took me a little while to figure out how to do it, which was how at 98 years old, my eyesight failing, my hearing failing, I was finally laying down for a nap when Samuel came running in, interrupting me, saying, what? Here I am. I said, Samuel, I'm sleeping, just get out of here. And then he did it again a few minutes later, and I sent him out one more time. And then finally, the third time, I got it through my head what was happening. I couldn't believe it. My whole life, I had been preparing for this moment. So I told him, Samuel, the next time you hear that voice, just say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And he did. Sometimes, God speaks through other people. Sometimes it takes other people to hear God speak. How is God speaking to you?
Amen. Thank you for listening to the Asbury First Weekly Sermon. If you enjoyed this message, please visit asburyfirst.org and learn more about our mission to love God and neighbor, live fully, serve all, repeat.